Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks. The impeachment inquiry continues to ramp up. The House Intelligence Committee completed its first set of public impeachment hearings last week. Startling new testimony from Bill Taylor, George Kent, and Marie Yovanovitch appears to further implicate President Trump in a campaign to pressure Ukraine to publicly commit to investigating former Vice President Joe Biden. Meanwhile, in a closed-door deposition on Friday, State Department aide David Holmes testified to a troubling call he overheard between EU Ambassador Gordon Sondland and President Trump. This week, the public will hear from eight more witnesses, including Ambassador Sondland, who has firsthand knowledge of key events under investigation. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, we break down the news and take stock of what's happening. Today, we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation about all the details of what's happening in impeachment and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. So this leads us to the behind closed door for now testimony of David Holmes, who is an embassy staffer reporting to Bill Taylor. And I think this is a big deal and bigger than I think some other people think. And I'm curious as to how important you think it is. So as you mentioned Early last week, Bill Taylor testifies that there was apparently the day after the Trump-Zelensky call on the 25th of July, the next day on July 26th, there was a Trump-Sondland call. What's remarkable about that, if you believe the testimony that we've seen, and that's both Bill Taylor and also David Holmes, because his opening statement has become available, is think of the circumstances of that. The President of the United States gets called by Gordon Sondland, who says, by the way, he doesn't have that close a relationship to the president. He can't wait till a normal business day, like the following Monday. Or use a secure phone. He can't wait for a secure phone. He can't wait to be back in the embassy. He can't wait to leave the restaurant. He's in an open restaurant. That's how pressing it seems it was to Gordon Sondland to report back to the boss. By the way, couldn't wait for the Secretary of State to be on the call. Couldn't wait for a lot of other people to be on the call so it's properly recorded and uh, digested by the diplomatic corps. Couldn't wait for any of those things. And decides... He needs to call into the President of the United States. While sitting in an outdoor, in, outside at a restaurant. Yeah. On an unsecure phone, which now people think clearly there must be a transcript of that. Somewhere um, in Russia. Somewhere in Russia. Yeah. Uh, if not a recording of that, somewhere in Russia. So even before you get to the substance of what was said, to me, and I presume that, that Dan Goldman will listen to this from Sondland on Wednesday when he testifies, um, and we'll talk in a moment about what his strategy is going to be, Sondland's strategy is going to be, th- that to me is super strange. It's, of all the things going on in the yeah. world, that that notification and call need to, needed to happen. Now, do you get, think it was? What, do you think it was bragging? Because I thought myself, first of all, apparently Sondland often makes made calls from his personal cell phone, which is beyond crazy when you think about uh, the way that the U.S. diplomatic corps works. It doesn't happen. These are very sensitive questions, and it could be hacked by the Russians. It could be. There's just a ton of reasons why you just don't do it. So, first of all, there's a level of I can't believe this 
guy would do this. That's a piece of this. But the other piece is, you know, it it's like he's sitting with three other – so David Holmes testifies. He goes out to lunch with Sondland, but so do two other members of the staff from the American embassy in Ukraine. So there's three staffers there with Sondland, and Sondland is having this conversation that you would think he would know is not appropriate to be having, number one, in front of – because of because of the nature of it that it's so problematic, it shouldn't be happening in front of members of his staff and shouldn't be happening in an outdoor restaurant. Here's a small bit of the testimony that, that you and I were talking about before we started recording that tells you a little bit about what your insight should be on Gordon Sondland. Remember, Gordon Sondland was in the hospitality business, doesn't know anything about foreign policy or diplomacy as a profession. And is far over his ski tips. Way, yeah. way over his skis. And he gave a million dollars to the inauguration of Donald Trump and now he becomes the ambassador to the European Union. And David Holmes testifies that when they go to lunch on a Saturday on July 26th, that they're sitting around, they get a bottle of wine. By the way, he's also drinking, yes. which is, I guess, necessary he, Sondland, before you call the president yes, of the United Sondland States. Yes, Sondland orders a bottle of wine. Um, yep. at, at lunch. Yep. Um, I'm not criticizing that, just noting it. And what was their conversation about? Marketing strategies for his hotel business. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's, they're in Ukraine. Here's, here's the ambassador to the EU, and they're talking about marketing strategies. And in the middle of talking about marketing strategies for his hotel... He pulls out his phone. He's like, oh, time to call POTUS. Yeah. And by the way, the other interesting part about that that I think is... is there's a little bit... I don't know if it was intended or not, but there's all the shade in David Holmes' testimony. He says Sondland goes through you know various levels of switchboards, I guess, at the White House, finally gets the president on the line. Um, he stiffens up and he changes his demeanor because he's on the phone with the president. And he tells the president, I'm in Kiev, which... Until yes. last week, I thought was pronounced Kiev, and apparently Me too. pronounced Kiev. Kiev. So I haven't decided yet what I'm going to adopt. Uh, probably stick with Kiev for now. Yeah. And he says to the president, "I'm in Kiev." And then in the testimony, he says the president clarified that Sondland <laughs> was in Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where is Kiev? Um, yeah, yeah, no, I don't know totally. What the clarified means. Um, and then what does Holmes say he heard in connection with the conversation? Basically, um, what David Holmes says is that he hears Ambassador Sondland clarify that he is in Ukraine, and then Sondland goes on to state that President Zelensky, quote, loves your ass. Wait, quote. wait, wait. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> you want it with more gusto? I, I was on, C- I was on CNN when that, like, moments before yeah. um, coming on. This is a family show. This, this broke, and, and I'm just watching a CNN correspondent in real time, not knowing what he's reading. He's just sort of, you know, someone has pointed him to a page. Yeah. He had to pause <laughs> on loves your ass. <laughs> this is what we have to say now. Uh, yeah, this is how we describe says. foreign policy. And then Holmes goes on to say, I then heard President Trump ask, so he's going to do the investigation. Ambassador Sondland replied that he's going to do it, adding that President Zelensky will do anything you ask him to. And then Holmes goes on to say, you know, I have a clear recollection of these statements and my other colleagues also heard it. By the way, you know, I don't know if you have grandparents who talk loud in phones, but I have to admit when I was listening to this, I was having this moment of like picturing, you know, Donald Trump just screaming into the phone and the phone, you know, the fact that Holmes is sitting across from Sondland or next to Sondland and is able to hear this is a pretty, is a pretty amazing thing. So why is that so important? To me, it's really important if it's corroborated and people find it credible, which I do, is it's now the second time we have the president of the United States himself inserting himself into this channel and showing what he was concerned about. You know, Mueller testifies on July 24th. That ends. July 25th, he has a specific call with the president of Ukraine. 
The next, and he knows there's going to be meetings that are going on between his folks and the Ukrainian folks. Next day, Saturday, can't wait till Monday, can't wait for a secure phone. Sondland must know that, reports to a happy boss that the thing that you care about is going to be done. And what is that? Investigations. It goes directly to the state of mind of the President of the United States. What does he care about? Not corruption generally. He cares about, and not just an investigation specifically, but even more pointedly than that, the announcement of an investigation. That's what he wanted. That's what he thinks he's getting. And Sondland, stupidly, has this conversation in a restaurant with witnesses around. The the other piece of that is it just, the president of the United States is the leader of the free world. Why he's involved at this level of detail with the Ukrainian government, if this was legitimate, there is no reason why the president of the United States would be having a call on a Saturday from the EU ambassador to talk about this. It just, it just doesn't make sense. And one of the things that's also important about the call is that Holmes goes on to say that he took the opportunity to ask Sondland about the president's views on Ukraine. And um, what Holmes is basically saying, look, is it true that the president doesn't care about Ukraine? And Sondland agrees that the president... Um, you can use the language used. Can I? Yeah. Yeah. It's not even written here. So basically, uh, Sondland agreed the president did not, quote, give a shit about Ukraine, close quote. And um, Holmes asks why not. And Sondland states that the president only cares about, quote, big stuff. And then, you know, Holmes pushes back and says, look, there is big stuff here. Literally, Ukraine is in a war with Russia. And Sondland replies that when he says big stuff, he means big stuff that benefits the president, like the Biden investigation that Mr. Giuliani was pushing. And so, and then they move on to talk about other things. But it's, that's an incredible thing that, you know, Sondland, he is in over his ski tips for sure. And he's candid in a weird way about this, but it is very clear that Sondland has an incredible problem. I, I credit Holmes's testimony. I credit Taylor's um, discussion of it. Sondland is coming back on Wednesday, and he now has to answer. He said that he never had conversations with the president or the White House about the investigations. So what does this mean for Wednesday and Dan Goldman? And So I think Sondland is an interesting character, right? And he is not going to come across like the people we've seen so far who are buttoned down career diplomats. I mean, probably the most you know, practiced speakers in terms of the care of, of words used are diplomats. I mean, sometimes infuriatingly so. Um, and sometimes a good diplomat can talk for hours and not say a goddamn thing. Um, this person not so careful with his words and not so careful with his memory. And it appears not so careful about the truth. He's already modified his testimony in the past. So here's what, here's what I presume will happen. There are multiple witnesses to the fact that there was a call between the President of the United States and Gordon Sondland on July 26th. It seems to me that he has to have a recollection of that and that my prediction is he will admit that there was such a call that had slipped his memory before uh, and then he will put in an opening statement as every witness does and that he together with his lawyers will craft some needle-threading statement as to which he will say, and this is all just guessing, he will say, yeah, now that I've um, had my recollection refreshed, there was a call, it was a busy time, it was brief with the President of the United States that touched on you know, the, the issue of what the Ukrainian president would agree to do. And then some version of not remembering this business about the president not giving a shit about Burisma or not remembering or differently characterizing how that conversation went. Yeah. And then it'll be uh, a battle between David Holmes, who I expect will be testifying publicly any I day now also. Yep. And you know, he knows that. 
so their recollections will be tested against each other. The problem for Holmes, if you're an effective cross-examiner, is you know, he didn't take contemporaneous notes. He told people about it at the time. But unlike some other witnesses you see, he didn't put it in writing. Um, it was many, many weeks ago. Um, wine was being drunk and some, yeah. you know, uh, who knows what people's tolerance levels are. And there's this discrepancy between Holmes, who I think says in his testimony that he let his boss, Bill Taylor, know about the July 26th call. Meanwhile, Bill Taylor says this past week... He didn't know about it until a few days before his testimony. Do you think it's possible that, because I wonder a little bit about this as well, that Holmes said to Taylor, yeah, we had this lunch with Sondland where he called the president and was, you know, bragging on that the investigations were going to happen, that Ukraine would do anything they wanted. But Taylor didn't necessarily connect it until he... It's totally possible. So, look, my my, my guess is that that these are, are, you know, Holmes and Taylor are, are good faith actors, but good faith actors sometimes forget things. And since they're not sitting in a room and matching their testimony to each other, we've talked about this before, the green hat and the blue hat. Yeah. There are going to be some discrepancies, but... Which is, but which is the truth of the deal. world, right? It's the it, truth of the world. Yes. Yeah. I mean, cross-examiners will exploit that, but it is the truth of the world. And I expect that there'll be a reasonable explanation, but I'm curious to hear. Yeah. And I don't know if there if those... So there are two other people at that lunch and who are sitting off to the side. Yeah. And I don't know yet, I haven't seen any reporting as to what they heard and what they saw. Um, if it's the case that they can't corroborate this business about not giving a shit about Ukraine uh, or the president saying, are they going to do the investigations? You know, that that's a point that the other side will exploit. Yeah. One one thing that's worth noting is that I, I sort of tend to believe that Sondland is going to do exactly what you said, which is to come in and be more honest than he's been. I mean, Sondland is... We talked about him as admit what you can't uh, deny, deny what you can't admit. I kept thinking about how you make that point when it comes to Sondland. He's exa- everyone should look for this. He's exactly that kind of witness that you always describe. And it keeps evolving, right? So he gets – Taylor testifies that Sondland knows about the quid pro quo. Sondland changes his story. Now you've got um, Taylor saying a member of my staff told me this and then the member of my staff, David Holmes, has been deposed about this. So I think Sondland's going to continue to move as additional information comes out, which it's an interesting point, the discrepancy between you know, did Holmes tell Taylor at the time – but if Sondland does do what you predict he will do, which I agree with, which is to come in and be more truthful and to remember now that call, it becomes almost irrelevant, particularly if Sondland admits to to the bulk of what happened. So they may quibble about exactly what was said, yeah. but the fact of that call taking place will not be at issue. Yeah. And it'll be an interesting thing both for you know Schiff and for the administration to embrace or reject this witness. Because remember... There's it's going to be there's complicated. This, there's this funny yeah. texting back and forth in September where Sondland is going back and forth with Bill Taylor and he's reciting, he, Sondland, is reciting the party line for the president. There was no quid pro quo. I think you've totally misunderstood. And he had a call with the president in between receiving a text, an, you know, an agitated text from Bill Taylor about what looks like a shakedown and then returning the text, intervening call with the president of the United States. And so Trump has already in the past publicly placed some reliance on Sondland's testimony. Like, Sondland says there's no quid pro quo. Yes. Sondland says this, Sondland says that. And he had this relationship with Sondland. By the way, this idea that the president doesn't know some of these people, and I expect very shortly if the testimony is highly damaging to the president, I hardly knew that guy. (laughs) It it takes takes a certain kind of personality, but I think more it takes a certain kind of relationship to describe the Ukrainian president's liking President Trump 
in the, the phrase that he used. Yeah, he, agreed. He loves, he loves your ass. Agreed. Um, it's like the opposite of what the diplomatic core and the, dip, the way the diplomatic folks talk. Right. So depending on, on, on how he appears on Wednesday, it might be the case, and this is true in real life too, although it's problematic and it doesn't always compute with a jury, do you embrace the witness or not? Do you embrace some of the things that the witness says because you think that they're good and true and they corroborate what you think and they corroborate your you know, theory of the case and then reject the other things because you think they're minimizing? And does the other side do the same, right? So there's going to be, there's, there's good stuff for the president in what has come out so far. And there's good stuff on the side of impeachment right. from what has come out so far. How right. does that unfold on Wednesday, you and, think? And well, I think this is what is going to be complicated for Dan Goldman, the, the questioner for Adam Schiff, which is Dan is going to have to pin Sondland down publicly to all the things he's already said and acknowledged and admitted. And then he's going to have to push Sondland very hard about the things that he did not state. And Dan is also, I think, probably going to spend a lot of time going through this revised statement, which is, oh, I didn't remember there was a quid pro quo to, oh, now I remember yeah. that I was a part of that those conversations. And so I think a good questioner is going to be meticulously sort of pulling those pieces apart with Sondland and really showing and making Sondland go on the record. But then this piece is going to be even more complicated because ostensibly Dan Goldman will know earlier that day because he'll see Sondland's statement. But whether or not Sondland acknowledges this, and if he doesn't, Dan Goldman's going to have to cross-examine him very hard on it. So some of it is taking what you believe to be true and and locking that down, and some of it is really pushing on these spaces where Sondland has been. You know, I wonder. I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to get charged with a thousand and one for lying, but Sondland has not been truthful and yeah. forthright, and that's also true in my view of Volcker. Just to finish with Sondland, that's a big motivating factor for him. You have the threat of a lying to Congress charge over your head. And then further to what you were saying a second ago, this is something that maybe non-trial lawyers don't always get and sometimes new prosecutors don't get. And you think when you have a hostile witness or you have the defendant himself coming to testify on the stand that it's all fire and brimstone in the cross-examination and that is not true. You can always get the adverse witness to confirm things that are helpful to you before you turn on them and ask questions more harshly. So if you have a guy who you've charged with being the getaway driver at a bank robbery, you don't go right to the issue of whether or not you were the getaway driver. You ask him, do you own a Buick that's red? Yeah, you corroborate Is the license everything. plate this, that, and the other? Yes. Um, you know, you just go through all the facts that he will confirm and get that all out, you know, crisply and quickly. And then depending on the trickier stuff, then you can be tougher later. Yeah, I agree. And on Volcker, we've got this week coming up, you've got Jennifer Williams, who's a senior official I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work.